Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume, or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Everyone, happy Friday and welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. And actually, this one is technically a bonus episode because, as you guys know, I don't usually release a episode on Friday. But this conversation in particular, I was originally planning to release on a normal Tuesday weekly episode. But honestly, I was just editing it the other day and I was like, you know, I think this conversation should just go out sooner than later, especially because this is still the first month of the year. I know a lot of us tend to feel a little bit of an energy shift during the new, newer part of the year, I, I guess I should say. And so with this topic being revolving around friendship and figuring out how to just choose your circle and choose a certain path for yourself... Um, I felt like this would be good to release now, so sooner than later. And I guess the backstory on this conversation actually started uh, with a catch-up conversation with my friend Bree, who is the one interviewing me on this podcast, which I'll get into kind of the style of this conversation. But we were catching up at a coffee shop in my hometown in Pennsylvania during Christmas break, and we were just talking very deeply into just kind of how the years have gone by, how we've both grown, and just um, somehow got into the topic of how I chose my friends and and the shift that I went through in, I guess, like late 2016 and then majority of 2017. And we really just sparked the idea of why not put this on a podcast episode. And she uh, brought up as well where she could do a reverse interview and interview me because Obviously, I rarely have anyone interview me on my own podcast, and I think that was a really cool idea because I'm like, you know, obviously you guys hear me talk solo a lot, but these kind of questions are really great for someone else to be asking and for someone else to be kind of trying to pull out of me. So yeah, basically, as I kind of mentioned earlier, my friend Bree is the one who will be interviewing me during this conversation, and it's honestly very delightful. I think she's such a spectacular interviewer. You will see she's so articulate and very well-spoken. And um, yeah, she's just honestly one of my gem 
of friends and she's just so amazing and I'm really really grateful to have her in my life and just to have her as a support system in everything I do. So with that being said, we will dive into the episode and I hope you enjoy. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast here with your host, Emily, and the person who's talking. My name is Brianna Byler. And uh, <laughs> if you have listened to the podcast for a while, you might remember me from episode 26. Um, and so I had the pleasure of being interviewed by Emily back then and won't bore you with my entire um, bio and background. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to learn more about me. But today I wanted to flip the switch um, and highlight Emily a little bit. We um, just had the pleasure of catching up recently. Um, and in our conversation, I had been asking Emily really just questions about how she is such an amazing friend because she is, um, she's always been such a pleasure to be around and such a great friend. And we got the idea in that conversation to do a little bit of a swap and have her be interviewed on this podcast. And I think that sounds like it's something that really appeals to a lot of the listeners is to hear more about Emily. So I wanted to start <laughs> off with a little bit of the perspective um, that I have on Emily as a friend. So um, again, in episode 26, we talk about how we share the same small town rural PA upbringing um, and how we met working in retail together. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a closer look of how I see Emily as a friend. Um, and then get into some questions about kind of how Emily approaches friendship and life um, and put her on the hot seat today. Mm -hmm. um, but Emily has always struck me as someone exceptionally diligent, disciplined and focused. And this is going way back to high school when we were working in retail. And then of course has just amplified so much exponentially every year since. Um, she really knows what she wants in a unique way, and I have watched her barrel through any sort of obstacle or challenge to achieve uh, what she's going for and what fulfills her throughout life. She really won't let anyone or anything stand in her way. She's extremely determined and fierce and doesn't allow the fear of failure or the opinions of others to ever steer her off her course. Um, and also, if you look at her Instagram page or her most recent endeavor, Los Hatton Company, um, you can see she has an eye for design and an amazing um, kind of artistic style. Um, she's always working to better herself. And it's amazing to watch her because it feels like she has this almost frenzied urgency behind the things that she does, but she remains so calm, cool, and collected all of the time. Um, and on top of all of those kind of core skills that she has, she is one of the most loyal and dedicated friends I have. And she is a uniquely true friend in that I feel she's one of the most honest and transparent and genuinely uplifting friends because she will call you out if you need to be <laughs> called out. And she's super honest with you. So I just really treasure her friendship. I'm excited to hear more from her today as I know you are about how she is such an exceptional human being. Um, and I'm just super grateful to be her friend. So we're hoping we can draw her out a little today. 
Um, so that's kind of her friendship bio <laughs> from one source, <laughs> but we also did want to take the opportunity to read out her real bio or her professional bio, because I don't think we get to hear this whole story often enough. So I'm just going to read that out and then we will get into some delicious <laughs> questions with Emily. <laughs> so are you ready for this, Emily? <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so great at this so far. I'm, I'm ready for this. <laughs> I am feeling like I am like a kid trying on my mom's shoes. And I feel very special. (laughs) You're doing great. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. So Emily Elizabeth Duong is the founder and creative director of Elite Skatewear and Lost Hatton Company, as well as the host of the What Fulfills You podcast. Originally born and raised in a small town in Pennsylvania, she made her way over to the Golden Coast at the age of 18 to embark on her college journey. And she graduated with magna cum laude honors from Chapman University in 2019. Prior to college, she was an elite level competitive figure skater and a USTA ranked tennis player. And she attributes her diligent mindset and self-discipline to these formative experiences. Today, she currently resides in Los Angeles, California, where she is focused on scaling her business ventures and podcast community and hopes to be bi-coastal between New York City and LA in the near future. And we all know that's certainly going to take place. (laughs) So everyone, welcome Emily. (laughs) But yeah, I thought maybe we would just start off by asking you, hmm, yeah, why don't we just start by asking you, what does friendship mean to you today? Hmm. Good question. I think for me, when I think about friendship nowadays at this stage in life, I think of of a relationship that is not only, of course, valuable and adding value into my life, but one that is just a a long-term journey as well. And most importantly, when I think about how I choose friends too in the regards of friendship, I think about people that embody similar values to me and or embody values that I hope to emulate more of, whether that's, you know, honesty, integrity, which I talked to you about before. And so um, for me, that's kind of how I look at friendship. It's just a a person, people, a community um, that have like-minded values and are willing to push one another into becoming that higher self as well. I love that. And yeah, that's kind of what catalyzed this conversation was um, we were talking about your kind of transformative year in 2016 and some of the personal exercises you went through in that period that I find so inspiring and incredible. And I think no matter where any of us are in life, these exercises could be so helpful. So I wonder if you could enlighten us with a little bit more background on um, the processes you went through in terms of how you approach friendship as you were kind of revamping your life and deciding exactly like a crystal clear vision of who you wanted to be. Um, I just love the way that you approached relationships during that time and the question you asked yourself. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it was definitely a very low period in life for me. And I think the I mean, I would say the catalyst for that was because of a serious relationship breakup, which um, in, in, you know, which you'll kind of learn to that we were we went back together and whatnot. But I think that was such a unique learning experience for me at such a young age when I was what only 20 years old, where I 
I learned that after that relationship, and I think there's people in in most of life that reach this to a degree, but it's how you handle it that is different, where after a devastating breakup or end of a relationship, you tend to feel a little lost, right? Because you're so accustomed to being around a certain person, a certain lifestyle. And I felt that very hard at this time because I was also not only living with this partner um, and we were just kind of on the end of our lease but we also had a dog together and we I was also trans transitioning to a new university transferring to Chapman University and so for me I felt very alone mentally and physically and emotionally but at the same time that was also like I said a catalyst for me to dive into what it is that I want out of my life now that I recognize this is who Emily is at her purest form. She has no one around her. She has this mental state that she's battling. And so I think that question you were alluding to, and I was, I think I told you before, I was asking myself, who is Emily Elizabeth Duong when a stranger asks one of her friends how they would describe her? Right. And I remember thinking about all these qualities that I would love for a friend to describe me as very similar to what you described me in this beginning intro. Um, And at the time, I have to admit, I don't I sincerely don't think anyone could talk about me like that. Um, And that was disappointing to me. And I asked myself, what are those things that you feel are very weak in your life right now or, or, or skills or traits that you need to build up? And so that's kind of what I worked on because I was thinking to myself, again, how would a person describe me right now? And I was like, how can I change those first 30 seconds? Because like I told you before, in the first 30 seconds of when someone thinks of you, that's just their subconscious thought of you, right? It doesn't take much effort to think like, how would I describe Emily? How would I describe Brianna? And so uh, to me, that was a, a big question for me is like, each month I ask myself, are you getting towards, are you getting closer to being able to be described as this person, as weird as it sounds? And I think on a deeper level too, if you think about it, it's also like, how do people remember you when you're gone on this earth, right? Which is, that's again, a very more in-depth layer of thinking about how do people describe you? But I think it's a very similar concept in terms of what are the first attributes they think of you? And um, so to me, because I was at such a low point, I realized, okay, Emily, you have only one direction from here. You can only go up. And um, I remember a quote that one of my very good friends, his name is Patrick. He mentioned to me, he said, Emily, this is merely a blip on the upward trajectory of your life. I felt very lost in my head. I remember even on my 21st birthday, my brunch, um, I had invited maybe like a total of six people. And I don't think I've ever shared this out loud, but um, it's super funny. And I at the time, again, too, I, w- I had very kind of flimsy friendships. And basically only two people really ended up there at that brunch. And so a total of three, uh, including me. And I remember that was the thing that my friend Patrick told me because I was telling him like I was super stressed about this birthday thing. I didn't really just feel like I had a supportive community and I didn't, I felt a little insecure about that. And so it's funny now looking back, thinking about those two friends they are actually still my friends, but one of them in particular was a newer friend of mine at that time. And she's one of my very close friends today. I actually even spent Thanksgiving with her and her family last year. So it's very interesting when I, when I reflect on that, but I guess to kind of get to the point, um, 
I think, I, I think like when you're alone and when you force yourself not to dive into the short-term highs and you think about the long-term of where do you want to be as a person six months from today, that was really important to me to think about. And then lastly too, I asked myself, how can you make sure you never feel as low as you do right now? And the reason why I felt like I was really that low was because I had put so much uh, reliance or reliability on one person in one relationship. I had really had this concept and idea of a future and, and direction and journey with this person. Again, very common um, I don't want to say mistake that people make, but very common way of thinking, right? And again, some people kind of maneuver it because it maybe didn't go too heavy, right? But uh, for me, I feel like it went like it was a, a high of two years and then dipped really low. And so for me, even when we got back together about like eight months later, I remember feeling like such a different person because I knew if that ended again, I would never feel like the way I did before because I had worked on the foundation of Emily. So it's kind of like a house, right? Or a building when you build the foundation of it, just like all the beautiful buildings and the skyline in New York City, it's all the skyscrapers, it's all strong foundations. So when they, you know, if and when they do go crumbling down, they have that base still, right? And all it takes is just building one layer after another. So for me, that was my mentality about how do I build myself back up? And even if you get to a low point again, it's never as low as no foundation. Wow. That is so <laughs> well said. And there's so many gems in what you said. I really, it stuck out to me when you were um, talking about the question, who is Emily in her purest form? Because I think you've done such a good job at crystallizing that vision and then just really going for it. And I love that what I said aligned with what you wanted, because that truly like I could go on for hours. <laughs> and um, I just think it's amazing too, because 2016 was not that long ago. And um, granted, I think we've always had a special connection and I've totally seen this in you that whole time. But I think you really like turned up the dial and have um, evolved into this amazing being <laughs> over the years. Um, and it's not by accident. It's so intentional, which is really inspiring. And then also that idea that it's that low point and really feeling that and almost using that as a motivation of why you don't want to end up there and, and you want to instead springboard yourself forward. Um, yeah, just how powerful that is. And that was something also I think that we talked about. Um, this is a bit of a pivot, but you talked about how your experience with skating actually is part of the reason behind your kind of amped up motivation today. I don't know if you maybe want to talk about that a little bit and just how skating formed your mindset that you are driven with right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to say, I love the amount of detail you have on just your thought process on like a conversation like this and just remembering the small nooks and crannies of our little cafe conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, touching on skating, I did mention, I think that there's a there's a common question I get a lot that people are always wondering, why do you work so hard? Why do you have a full-time job and a business and a new business and this podcast and blogging and, you know, doing so many things where a lot of people for a good reason would say, you kind of spread yourself a little thin. And, and I agree to an extent, I think the, my ultimate goal and vision now is very much to be able to have the freedom of choice years from today. I think again, our twenties, do set a foundation of 
a big part of our next chapter in life, which is a little scary in a sense, because in our 20s, it is such a young developing time in life. And there are many times where we make uh, mistakes, unforced errors, whatever you want to call them. And that can unfortunately parlay poorly into our 30s and 40s. But um, I think the way I see my life now in this almost like childlike, wondrous way is like, I think there's so much opportunity to build whatever your dream life may be. And for me, my teenage dream was to obviously, I think compete at the Olympics, no matter if I had to compete for another country, but just ultimately compete for Team USA, compete on a national level, international level. And I did tell you that I don't think I tried as hard as I really could have. And to be self-aware and say that I absolutely did not put in 150, 200% effort compared to my competitors or, and actually some of my training mates who are still competing today, meaning like this five, six year gap since I stopped competing, they have been continuously training. And so I think I have to admit that I don't think I wanted it or really actually applied what I said I believed was I don't think I really wanted it as much as my fellow competitors did. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But with that being said, I look at that as rather a learning lesson now. And primarily because I think if there is one thing that could change in life is that having that skating opportunity, like having to pursue that out of all things in life, it would have been skating um, and to bring it to the degree I would have wanted it to. But knowing what I know now, I really apply and consider, okay, what did you not do back then that made you miss those opportunities that you could be doing today? And I think a lot of it has to do with self-discipline. I I remember that in high school and in certain times when I was in my late teens, I did get drawn into uh, just kind of being more social and being more experimenting with what a normal 17 and 18 year old girl does. And and I really don't regret that part either, though, because I built a lot of found, uh, fundamental friendships there and that are still my friends today. But with that being said, it, it's a sacrifice, right? What do you want more? Skating and the potential to compete at an international level or having that balance of the friends and skating, but you know, you won't make it to the international level. So I look at that as like, now that's your, this is your second chance. Like this is your second chance at the new Olympics, at the new international level as like, this is your new dream. You know, you look at a, this lifestyle, this, you know, the bi-coastal thing too, which is such a audacious goal, right? You know, it's very large to say, but I think not impossible because I see people do it. And I, and I just now ask myself, what is it that they're doing that I'm not doing that I am willing to sacrifice and do as well? Um, and I think that kind of comes down to it. Of course, luck always plays into it and all these different factors that we know. But I think at the end of the day, there's this element of sacrifice that 99% of people won't do. And I have to say, that's why I never made it to the Olympics or the international level, because these girls were training and, and, and eating correctly and, and, you know, just uh, on the ice six, eight hours a day training and, and sleeping well and just focused on that. And that is true. 99% of people won't do it. So yeah, that's kind of my long-winded answer of kind of just how skating and, and what I learned from the missed opportunities there on how I can apply those lessons into today's, you know, my life today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I told Emily too, at this coffee shop, 
Um, even though I think for anyone tasting what feels like failure, which I would not at all apply that here. I don't think you failed, but if your goal is, you know, skating at the Olympics and that doesn't work out, I think for anyone that feeling is intense. Um, and so not to wish that on anyone, but I am personally extremely glad that this was your life experience, because I think kind of what you expressed is like, you saw how there's a bit of a formula and a bit of an algorithm. And even if luck does play in, it's kind of like discipline and time and following these steps equals achieving the goal and anything less than that equals falling a little short of the goal. And I think you kind of were able to crack that code early on in high school and seeing how that played out um, and seeing that, wow, if I want to add in a social life or if I don't want to be on the ice six to eight hours a day and I want to be quote unquote balanced at the time, um, whatever that means for you, then it might mean sacrificing the Olympics or whatever. Um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you had that experience because I think, first of all, it fuels your fire today. But second, I'm happy you're not still out there on the ice because we need you here in the podcast and in your businesses and on Instagram. And I think you bring such value to the world and selfishly to your friends. Um, and so that's just really special to watch. And then something also that came to mind. So I just sat down maybe 20 minutes or so before this podcast and was really reflecting on the things I value most about you, a lot of which I shared at the beginning, um, but I was like feeling a little bit long-winded, so I didn't share all of them. But the one line I wrote, I think just really um, reflects on what you were just saying. And I wrote, she is balanced and committed to becoming the best version of herself holistically, attending to everything and sacrificing nothing. And that's very much where I see you today. Um, and I think that's really special. Like we have specialists and we have generalists in the world. And so maybe a specialist would be that elite Olympic athlete or skater. Um, but I think you really embody, I don't know, kind of a mix of the two, but more of a generalist where you have all of these different facets that you're attending to in your life, including your social life, your fitness and health kind of self-growth and reading and podcasts and all the things you do in your free time, as well as your business and as well as your corporate job um, and this podcast. And anyway, it's just really awesome to be able to watch and journey through life with a true Renaissance woman with all of these different passions. Um, so, and, and yeah, I think I would absolutely credit your self-discipline to that. Um, I wanted to circle back too, because I think this could maybe be helpful to some listeners. So you talked about kind of going on what sounds like a friendship tour back when you were asking this question of who is Emily in her purest form. So it sounds like you kind of identified these different qualities that you would like to embody. And then you found people that embody them, or you looked at your friends who you admire and you asked yourself, what do I admire about these people and, and got to the core of that. So I wonder if you could break that down a little bit more. Like, how did you determine which qualities you wanted to be? Was it just something that resonated with you? Um, it was it really because of individuals or I guess to phrase it a different way, um, say, you know, you have a young college sophomore or junior or a listener who comes to you and is like, Emily, I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. I maybe am at one of these rock bottom moments and I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to kind of level up my life. I don't know where to start. So how would you walk them through that process that you went through that kind of gets you from point A, kind of drifting afloat and not feeling like you have a firm sense of self or a firm self-confidence 
to point B, where you have a clear, solidified sense of self, you're embodying the qualities you want to, and you kind of have more of a trajectory for who you want to be as a person? Mm, great question. Oh my goodness. I The friendship tour thing, I think is very accurate way to put it. It's very funny. Um, you know, first thing that comes to mind when I think about what I was thinking in terms of why is it that I want these qualities? Because, you know, I certainly don't either have them right now or they're not really shining through the way I want them to. Full transparency, I think I realized that I mistreated certain people, including that partner I was dating for a while, um, in a way that made me go like, damn, that is just a terrible way to treat someone. And that is not okay with me. Like I, I cannot stand to be that kind of person. So I think for me, I thought about how I can minimize those traits where I got those traits from, was it somewhere, you know, did I observe it within my upbringing? Did I, you know, follow the wrong type of people in my upbringing as well, that kind of thing. And, and I then also on top of that, I thought of individuals that embodied traits that I did want more of, just like as a whole in a role model, not even on the friendship level yet. And, um, you know, some of those people were the mentors and thought leaders, I was reading about or reading through their lessons and their learnings. Um, I think Tim Ferriss, he's one of them. He's a very well-known thought leader and, and entrepreneur. And I think something that I really took from him was his stoicism, his level steadiness of how he handled his situations. He was, um, you know, very not turbulent is just the most easy way to put it. And I felt that I had that in me where I could go up and down and that would stir a lot of emotions and reactions and which would unfortunately sometimes uh, cause me to treat people poorly because I'm acting in the middle of these reactions. So I worked on that a lot in terms of being less reactive to all these different external events in life. Um, and then I think as well, I thought of other traits that I really wish I had more of just in general. I think one being just I wanted to be one of the people that other young women thought of when they thought of someone with a lot of integrity and a lot of honesty and just true selflessness. And primarily just because I think that I wasn't on that spectrum yet. And that was something I aspired to be more of and just kind of a general good human being, really. And so um, one of my really good friends, Avery, I met her during junior year of college and she was that person for me. And I remember when I met her, she really just transformed my mentality of, you know, treating people like, and, and it wasn't even the, like she didn't tell me these things. It was just like watching her do it and kind of loving the way that she treated people and just loving that just glow on her look and in her face and just the way she walked, you know, and I was like, I want that energy, you know, like, I want to be more like that. And so I think for me, it's just observing how your friends, your circle, your peers treat certain people in certain situations, even a waitress or a hostess, whatever that may be, right, those small moments. And I think about I catch it even in my day to day life, I go, wow, I really liked the way that person responded to that person. I need to make a mental note of that. I need to do that the next time I'm and I encounter that kind of situation. So for me, I think that was kind of what really 
shaped my friend circle because then uh, I think I mentioned this to you as well in our conversation in the coffee shop, but it's similar to dating. I think at the end of the day, when I was thinking about my new friends at not just this school, but just moving forward in life, I had a really a physical and mental checklist. Some of it being those qualities, right? Like I had these friends had to have X, Y, and Z qualities, right? And if they missed out on some of those key values and key traits, unfortunately, I just could not allow them into my space because even when I did do a test trial of allowing certain people into my energy space that didn't fully embody some of these values, I felt very not aligned. I felt some certain red flags, yellow flags going on in my head. I'm like, oh, that's kind of pulling me into a direction that doesn't feel aligned with me. And that didn't make me feel comfortable. But then also too, I just think like when you make a checklist of the type of friends you want to have in your life, you can, again, kind of like what I said there is deflect or what's the word for it, but just really uh, enable yourself to step away and not allow them into your space. Because I think if you kind of keep it too much of an open book, which some people might suggest, you allow too many different options into your life, which then causes this dissonance and um, lack of ability to really decide where you want to go then, right? You have to get really specific. And so kind of like dating, when you figure out the type of partner that's really ideal for you, you start to realize as you get older, what the ideal friends are. And last thing on that too, I was really quirky about it, but I did say, I'm looking for the type of girls, type of woman that I could see as my future bridesmaids. And again, very quirky type of sorority conversation you may have, but I think that was something I really thought of as in the the idea of, are these women going to be likely in my life five to eight years from now? That was really what I was thinking about because in terms of the bridesmaids thing, it's like, is this short-term or long-term? And I'm, you know, a very long-term thinker. So I think that was what was going through my head at the time. Hmm. I love that. Um, I think that's something I really admire about you as well is that you are so intentional about where your energy goes and that allows you to have this hyper-focus on the things that are important to you. And, you know, I think an overly optimistic perspective might say, oh, but no, you can be friends with everyone. And oh, no, why would you like cut people out of your life? That's horrible. And, um, you know, admittedly, I can fall into that category sometimes as well. Um, And it doesn't have to be that you're like, you know, slamming doors in people's faces. But I think you are very intentional about who gets a lot of your time. And that allows you to be a really amazing friend to the friends that you have chosen to keep in your inner circle. Um, And I think that's just really special um, and and intelligent as well um, and realistic about the fact that we have limited energy and capacity and um, kind of whether you want to go for quality or quantity. And I think you've chosen quality and it seems to be working very well for you. Um, So I wonder if you could delve into that checklist a little bit about you mentioned honesty and integrity. What are some of the other things that you look for most in your friendships? Mm -hmm. Um, I think outside of just those pillars and values, I do look for also 
people and types of friends that also know how to have a little bit of fun in their life, but also not go way too overboard, right? I think you and I can agree we're very much in the same boat on that as well. Um, And then, you know, I just think someone, especially to someone that can also keep me in check, someone that's also not afraid to say, hey, um, I'm not sure if that is a really great idea for you and be able to like talk it out with me. I think a, a, a statement I mentioned to you was, you know, what kind of friend am I if I am not there to help you be your best self and to help you improve in the direction you have said you wanted to go in? And I think sometimes it seems uncomfortable and contradicting to challenge a friend on their thinking and their thought process on what a decision is, right? But like I said, I think what kind of friend are you if you don't try to help them based on the the core values they have put out to live by, right? So I think that was something huge for me too, is having friends that would that I know would inadvertently do that for me and do that with me. Um, and so, and then just, I think loyalty was a big one. I feel like I had, um, and I think that's natural, right? But I think sometimes it, it in, in the gist of it, it can be easy to overlook unloyalty in terms of we think everyone's loyal until we see that speck of unloyalty. And so just for me, the moments of um, my 21st birthday, for example, not having that many people there, I remember who was there. And I remember who's still in my life right now. I remember, um, you know, the people that didn't treat me well and the people that did bail and did make excuses. And again, that's natural and that's part of life, but you got to remember those things when it comes to the little yellow flags, because same thing when you date someone and you have that checklist and that guy or girl, whoever is listening, right. You know, um, you catch those red flags and you're like, Oh, that doesn't work well for me. And I just find it kind of a little bit hysterical that we don't, put as much emphasis on it when it comes to friends compared to a romantic partner but our friends and our circle are supposed to be you know those continuous lifelong relationships that you have regardless of your relationship with you know with a romantic partner is there or not right so I think that's something I just really look out for that um that I think can be easily missed if you just go through life opening and you know and welcome with welcoming arms to people saying yes like come into my life and wanna I think um you got to be mindful of it and I even talked about a recent a recent friendship falling out that I had with someone that was once close with me for a few years but I also mentioned on that episode there were quite a few red flags there that I honestly chose to overlook because this person was not only a little bit older than me and I thought that they would eventually kind of mature up and you know not do some of these red flag things but um i thought this person would be mature enough to kind of put friendship and value first versus the the stingy jealousy and that kind of thing and i think that's probably the biggest trouble i have with some friends in my past is having people that just actually didn't genuinely support me on a business for example like the the comparison of energy having a friend like you or Avery where they're like, Emily, I am so happy and proud of you. Like they're just kind of cheering you on like a genuine cheerleader. And you can hear the energy from someone that 
barely even acknowledges that you just did that. And not that I look for praise or anything at all. It's certainly not ever my intention or desire, but you can just tell when someone's genuinely there for you or not. And I think those are, again, things that I would advise young women to be mindful about and be intentional about when looking for the right people to allow into your space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all extremely relevant um, and helpful. And again, I just appreciate how realistic and rational you are, because I think friendship is an area where that can be a blind spot for people where um, you don't want to kind of see the reality that is there. And you don't want to look at it like you do business decisions or, um, you know, it just, it feels almost clinical, but it actually, I think is quite wise when you do this from the get-go, when you're deciding like what friendships are meaningful investment that will enrich your life and which friendships might actually not be a match. And it doesn't even have to be a negative thing on that person. Just maybe you guys aren't compatible as friends. Um, and so anyway, I just, I, I admire the way that you're able to kind of take the frills away, look at what's there and then make wise decisions from the get-go so that you can just like sink into these enriching, meaningful um, honest, loyal, good friendships and, um, yeah, really nurture them and, and watch them grow. Um, one thing that stuck out to me that you said and a little bit of a pivot, but you mentioned that you're not looking for praise per se. And I immediately in my mind was like, is that true or what? Because <laughs> this is another thing that you told me, I think, um, when we were in Washington DC together, that super impressed me. And, um, has stuck with me afterwards. And this is this concept of doing essentially a quarterly review or maybe a biannually review, a biannual review with your friends where you go to, well, why don't I let you describe this actually? Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit more about your kind of personal review process you go through with your friends, which definitely proves that you're not out just for someone who's gonna gas you up and <laughs> not point out things that might be areas of growth. Yeah, you know, um, if I remember correctly, I think this is what it was where, because um, when I think of the quarterly review as, <laughs> as funny and analytical <laughs> as that sounds, I do tend and, and try to make it a habit where I do ask, you know, pretty much every couple of months, every three months to my friends um, to evaluate, you know, me and to ask, I ask them, hey, you know, Harry, one of my great uh, guy friends, I would ask him a lot, hey, what is something that I do that you feel like either bothers you or you feel like is something that I should work on is something that, you know, catches you a lot. And, you know, funny enough, I did ask this, this was probably um, late 2019, going into 2020, when I asked him and my other friend, Jack and, and other people, and they all had a very similar answer. And that was that I was uh, kind of a little serious and a little rigid sometimes. Funny, right? I talk about trying to be less rigid in certain areas of my life. And they said that, you know, sometimes it's when I go out with them, it's a little hard to tell if I'm enjoying the experience because I seem a little tight and maybe less welcoming to strangers and very reserved. And so a lot of them just said like, maybe to kind of be less, um, I don't even want to say anxious because I don't think it was about anxiety, but it was just very much I was very always the most formal, most, for lack of better words, put together person that kind of just didn't let all hell break loose. And so I think some of them were saying, hey, you know, 
um, maybe just relax a little bit more and, and kind of not get in your head too much in terms of being like, so uh, rigid, almost like by a calendar, right? And so I think that was a very common one I recall from a previous recent year that um, multiple friends had said to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's something I, I, I do recommend to people if they have pretty much the guts to ask their friends because, you know, it, it's something that you, I mean, again, back to the thing of what kind of friend am I at least if I don't offer that kind of insight to a friend that is looking for it and that does want to improve, but maybe, you know, doesn't have the guts to ask, but maybe to kind of nudge them a little bit right in that direction. Um, And I think that's how you evolve and how you improve and develop personally as well. And if you have a concept and vision of the type of person you want to become, right, outside of your career, outside of what you look like and how you dress and and all of that. It's like, who are you, again, at your purest form? And are you on your way to that person? And are you getting towards closer? And I think when you ask people those things of, hey, what's one thing that you think I could work on better? What's one thing that I could be just – 2% better at and and when you evaluate some of the answers people give you it gives you insight on how how the external world perceives you and kind of maybe it's incongruent with how you perceive yourself and that is a red flag in itself you got to ask yourself why are some people saying this about me and why do I think this of me right again we always kind of naturally think more highly of ourselves and and by default I would say or sometimes it can go the opposite direction to it really really depends where you are mentally but um yeah I think again very difficult question to ask friends but I think if you have really close and loyal friendships and relationships with people that you do have a deep and meaningful discussion with I would test it out and try to do it you know three two times two to three times a year and just saying hey you know how do you think of me in this area even whether that's work ethic or you know maybe there's a certain personality trait or habit that you've been doing and the way you treat people you've been working on it you want to see if other people have been catching it I I think it's great and I think lastly on that too people do appreciate when you ask for their input more than you would expect I think there's a lot of people out there that do appreciate that you can you would even consider their input, right? And so sometimes that does even build a bond of, wow, you value my opinion enough to ask me such a, you know, difficult question. That's really awesome. And, and that sometimes makes them trust you even more because you're saying, hey, I trust you to give me an opinion of an honest opinion of what you think of me in this light. Um, it's going to make them feel that as well. And I think, again, ultimately, and inevitably builds that bond within that friendship. I love that. That's so true. And yeah, I love that point about people appreciating that you're considering their input there because I think that's absolutely accurate. Um, And I think also, just as you were talking, um, it brought up a conversation I had recently actually with some um, business folks here in Lancaster, but about the concept of hallway reputation. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's interesting. Um, I just did a quick Google search on the side and maybe I'll share this article to link in the show notes, but um, it's interesting because it sounds like even though you hadn't maybe heard of this specifically, it's exactly what you ended up doing with your life um, is, is what um, basically this leader had recommended. But your hallway reputation is essentially that 30 second 
um, thought, like the first 30 second perception that people have of you um, or what comes to mind when, when people perceive you. And it's not just in terms of your professional persona, but also socially or kind of like just who is Emily or who is Brianna. Um, and so what was recommended in this group was that you go to two or three people and kind of try to figure out what is your hallway reputation, because there can sometimes be that dissonance between how you perceive yourself or how you want to be perceived and how people are actually perceiving you. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot about that online for anyone interested if you just Google hallway reputation. But I found a particularly good article here that maybe we can share. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome. I think once you get plugged into this world of self-betterment and growth and you start reading the books that you read and listening to the podcast that you listen, I think a lot of these really successful um, self-growth coaches, if you want to call them that, um, or, or leaders in personal development end up pulling from similar pools of wisdom and it kind of aggregates in this um, I don't know, thought track that causes you to do things like this almost subconsciously, which is really special. Um, so yeah, there was one thing in that that I wanted to follow up on. Um, and I guess we're probably coming to the end of our time, but I wanted to talk about as well, um, one thing that stuck out to me from our conversation where you were talking about the motivation you have behind pursuing success and wins in life. And it was just really unique to me. It's another one of those conversations that stuck with, with me um, after we talked. And you talked to me about how, uh, I think the question I asked you was like, how do you stay so motivated? And what is that thing driving you? Because I think it can be different for different people. Um, and one of the things you said was that you are really motivated to succeed because you can tell what that does to your interactions with your friends. And you can tell um, when you can come back to your friends and share these exciting developments or these big wins in your life, it just creates this energy in your friendships, um, which I can totally attest to. Like there's nothing more inspiring and enriching and fun than sitting down with you after you've made this new business or you've read this new book or you have this um, new thought to share. And it's not that I only value you for your achievements at all, uh, but I just think that's such a beautiful way to approach achievements that it's not only just to advance yourself, but also to basically provide value to your friends. And I just found that so beautiful. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about how friendship and motivation to succeed coincide in your life. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is something one of my good friends, Mike Yu, he is actually from Berks County, Pennsylvania. And he taught me when it came to the concept of the whole jealousy thing that I once battled with in terms of not necessarily jealous of what how other people and friends were doing, but rather there'd be one or two friends in life that created this jealous feeling in me because of the way they felt towards me, right, intrinsically. And so he always told me something like, when other people are winning, you are also winning. And when you're winning, other people are also winning. There is no such thing as you know, um, this, this scarcity type of mindset, it's, it's a lot of actually abundance, right? That we can really actually all win and you have to believe in that. And um, that's actually an energy I feed off of, again, many people and many friends in my life like you and Avery and my other friend, Mike, you and, and just plenty of people that are still in my life today for the reason that 
they feed off of my energy when I'm doing something different, something new. And they're like, oh my gosh, Emily, you really got the wheels turning for me. And I feel the same way when they're sharing something good with me as well. And, and I think, um, you know, ultimately, as, as you can probably tell, I think with this podcast and the name of this podcast, what fulfills you, you know, I, I think after all is said and done in terms of success and, and what we can buy with the money we make and with the house and, you know, all of these physical things, I know we all talk about it in this world today now, but, you know, when you really sit down and, and just ask, what kind of is what really is tied to our happiness and what makes it the most sustainable, the keyword sustainable, I do believe it's around life fulfillment. And you backtrack and you go, well, how do I feel fulfilled in life? And I think uh, for me, ultimately, it's always been about my meaningful relationships, because I remember how unhappy I felt and how alone I felt in 2017 timeframe, uh, when I didn't have those, that community in my life. And that's why I decided to chase that. Because I knew I knew that in the future, when I had a meaningful community and, and meaningful friendships around me, that you know, I, I, you know, even for me, I thought about it too. It's like, I might at the time too, I could have a lot of money in the world right now, could be a multimillionaire at the age of 20 and drive, I don't know, a Range Rover, have like in a big house. And, and to me, I was like, but you're still going to be alone, Emily, like that, you know? And I think that's the coolest part was like being able to recognize that and really feel that at such a young age. And so um, you know, having had such incredible relationships along the journey since that time frame of my life, it's really propelled me to do all the things I do today. And even with Lost Hatton, you know, I obviously won't name names, but you know, kind of the backstory of really what propelled me to want to do better in my life in the career sector, being able to see someone that was able to buy and have the freedom to choose, you know, to buy a home in cash and to, you know, to do certain things with his life for, for because of he's built it himself. To me, that was like fascinating. And I'm like, wow, how do I get that, get there as well? And I think, again, it's, it's very different when you're bragging about it to your friends, but when you hear someone talk about it in this childlike, like, wow, this is kind of a vision I have. I want this coffee shop and I want this business. Right. And it's just very funny to me because I think that's what this, that's the energy I feed off of. And so I love being able to share that energy with my community and love being able to help bring other people up as well. Cause I know the impact of that. And I think kind of going back on the topic of why I choose the friends I have today is because there's no reason to settle for people that make you feel like crap for doing well in life or just, you know, um, to even have to honestly, the, the friend that I had a falling out with, I, I never mentioned my business to her and my businesses really or anything because it was such an obvious sign of jealousy there. And it felt uncomfortable sharing with her because I'm like, I know you don't, I know you feel competitive towards me. And honestly, I'm, I'm so sorry you feel that way because I don't make that you feel this way because I thought about it. I'm like, you know, Brie is a very successful person in her own nature. And, you know, I don't feel one inch of jealousy from her or ounce of jealousy from her and same with all these other friends they're just like wow Emily that's so awesome and they'll they'll try to help me in any way um they can or if I ask them hey can you keep me accountable for 
you know, running two times a week or something. It's like to be able to like reach out and have friends that are willing to do that for you. I think that's awesome. So um, again, I think that's what keeps me motivated is I think kind of going back to the whole conversation today is one, you know, what I didn't do in skating. Secondly, thinking about just how much opportunity there is out there and how we really can we can create our own luck by putting in whatever it is we want. And I think ultimately our life is, you know, um, some disagree with this, but I just think our life is our choice. You know, we decide how we feel about certain things. We decide, you know, whether something is a make it or break it situation. And I think um, for me, I, I just see like, basically, I really, really believe like if, I don't know who is this. I'm not really comparing to Kylie Jenner, but she's just the first person that came to mind. It's like, to me, if Kylie Jenner can do it, why can't I, right? And I feel like the common answer is, well, because she's Kylie Jenner and she has a multi-millions of dollars and can do this and this. I'm like, but she's also just a human. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that always bothered me. This is such a tangent, but it's just like the, the, the double standard of when someone like I might say to my mom, Hey, you know, there's that celebrity I saw in West Hollywood today. She's like, so it's just another person. Right. But then when you say, Oh, I want to buy, you know, a $2 million home in Beverly Hills. Like they did. She's like, well, they're Kylie Jenner though. It's like, but we just said she's just human. Right. So you, I kind of just live like that where I don't believe in this double standard of, I can't do that because um, or that's unattainable for me because only celebrities can do that or only super mega wealthy people that kind of had a head start can do it. You know, I really think that anything is attainable in life. And I wish I had that mindset when I was skating and kind of just to wrap that part up. And, um, and I think just one last thing too, I, I rereading Atomic Habits right now by James Clear. I love that. It's a good news. <laughs> and read. I love, I love his newsletter mm. that you got me into. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you know, it was so funny. What caught my attention the other day reading one of the chapters was about our identity and how our tiny little atomic habits shape our identity. And and that's, it's so funny how that's how I've been framing a lot of what I do in, in not in this chasing of success or not even really just chasing fulfillment or, or money or anything like that. But it was really chasing the, the pure identity of Emily, because that's who I saw myself as. And, you know, whether that's me being a fit person, fit and toned, healthy person, someone that loves to do public speaking, someone that is surrounded by a meaningful community of friends, someone that is thought of as, you know, highly, you know, intellectual and has a lot of integrity and honesty and, and charismatic, right. And witty, like whatever that may be, like, that's kind of where I'm chasing is like, how can I continue to go towards becoming this person that I want to be? And it's about just my identity and what you do each day, what you practice, what you speak about each day becomes your identity. So I think for me, that's kind of my true sense and I guess conclusion on just kind of how I've become who I am today, how and why I choose the friends I choose and just ultimately how and why I stay motivated in doing the things that I do. I love that. 
close us out with one shocking unparalleled question that I know you have never heard before but Emily (laughs) what fulfills you (laughs) that's so funny I don't think anyone actually ever really really asked me this um yeah kind of like what I alluded to earlier I think what ultimately fulfills me are my meaningful relationships with people Because I think especially seeing how this podcast has impacted and reached a global audience, which is just so shocking Mm -hmm. to me. And and just to actually, you know, read direct messages where some girls are saying, I listened to your podcast on my bike ride to school and they're all the way in Poland or something. It's it's crazy or Denmark even. And I'm just like, what? No way. Or they say they listened to it on the train on their way to class. And this was kind of more towards pre-COVID. So like last um, last year or yeah, early 2020 um, and, and just kind of those kind of comments. But to me, I think that's the fulfilling sparkly moment inside mm-hmm. um you know and, and I think that's I think what we realize especially during COVID as well is at the end of it all you know what is it that we're craving the most and I think we've all been craving that in-person human emotional interaction and there's really nothing that can replace that you know mon- it's priceless money can't buy that AI can't beat a human interaction as much as some software engineers like to believe and have debated with me on. But um, I think ultimately my relationships with my community and my friends and my people, I think that's that's what fulfills me. Wow. Well, that's really special to hear because that's the whole point behind this discussion. And I think it's something you have really (laughs) mastered. And being on the receiving end of that friendship, it is one of life's greatest gifts. So I think um, yeah, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving both to you and to <laughs> others when you work on yourself as a person and when you work on yourself as a friend and when you work on your friendships as um, a part of your life. I think it really enriches you as a person, but also the people that you interact with every day. Um, so I am really grateful to be one of those friends and to be connected to you. Um, and I think this will be really great for people to reflect on. I know I have a lot of nuggets that I've written down during this. So (laughs) thank you for allowing me to interview today. I love hearing your thoughts and I think everyone else will too. Yes. Thank you so much, Brianna. You did a phenomenal (laughs) job. Oh my gosh. You are such a natural public speaker, interviewer, and I knew this would just go in, you know, this direction. So thank you again for sparking this idea, you know, during our little coffee shop catch up. And oh my goodness, thank you. This is, this was so fun. Love it. Also, one thing I have to throw in here before we finish, Emily and Mm -hmm. I talked about this probably less than four weeks ago and it's happening. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) she's definitely someone who delivers and I love that about you. And that was all for today's conversation. I hope you all enjoyed this unique type of interview or rather reverse interview swap type of um, conversation here. And if you enjoyed this and actually liked hearing someone else interview me on my own podcast, like again, like a close friend, uh, let me know. Definitely comment on the latest post regarding this episode or send me a DM on the podcast Instagram, just letting me know that you enjoyed this. And if you want to hear more or want to hear something similar again, 
definitely let me know. And of course, one last thing, if you've been loving this podcast, I would totally appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. This means the absolute world to me and I'm so grateful for the community we have been building over the past couple months. And with that being said, I hope you all enjoy your weekend and I will chat with you all next week. Thank you.